0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: Welcome to the latest Irish Illustrated Insider Recruiting Extra podcast. Less than a week to go before the, the late signing period. Really eight prospects left on the board. We're going to start there. Then we'll get into junior day. The commitment from KJ Wallace, Notre Dame making up some ground or gaining some ground on some top junior prospects that they had in over that weekend. Um, But the eight guys left on the board, and why don't we start, I guess, with the three that were here over last weekend, um, Eason, Brown, and Flemister. And, you know, Tom, I'll start with you with Eason. You're pretty plugged in with this one. I think you, you feel pretty strongly about where he's going to ultimately end up. What what do you think is breaking so well in Notre Dame's favor here?
0: I think it's the relationship with Mike Ellison. I think he's done a tremendous job in his recruitment, um, you know, quietly behind the scenes. He saw about a month ago and then just continued the dialogue. It was very quiet. I mean, I really think that sufficient visit to Notre Dame is going to be something that everybody kind of wanted to keep behind the scenes. But let's be honest, in this day and age, that's just even going to happen. So um he took the visit. Uh, again, great relationship with Elston mixed with um Notre Dame checking off all the boxes and what he's looking for. Um, you know, Jeremiah Wussi Koromoa, this connection there. Um, I think he did a great job hosting him. Uh the whole the guys got around it. He just had a really good feel for Notre Dame as a whole. Um and, and there was talk before the the early signing period as to why Derek Easton wasn't going to sign. And and yeah, initially it was because he wanted to sign with his his teammates on signing day it's just kind of tradition it's what they wanted to do but there was also you know the the, the factor that some other schools could come into the mix and, and with, with a school like Notre Dame being a, a program that he had a ton of interest in for a while and with Mike Ellison working hard behind the scenes it just made sense to kind of wait just in case and it looks like it's going to work out in Derek's favor because uh, at this point I mean I know it's rare for my to have a kid committed elsewhere at the top of my confidence meter, the latest one I posted yesterday at Illustrated. dot com, uh, but yeah, I feel extremely good about Notre Dame's chances to to land in on signing day next Wednesday.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's six foot four, two hundred forty pound list on on twenty four seven, and a, a, kind of a, your your strong side end. And Notre Dame has not recruited the defensive end positions all that well in terms of volume the last couple cycles, so it could be a, a key addition there. Another visitor last week in Sebo Flemister, the running back from Georgia. Notre Dame has been down to see him. Brian Kelly was just down there this week. Um, still a technically a Georgia Tech commitment, but Kevin, it, I can't find anyone who thinks he's going to stick with Georgia Tech next week. Uh, and it seems highly, highly likely that he will be in this class with Derek Eason at Notre Dame.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think that, um, you know, Notre Dame, they worked really quickly with him. It was sort of, you know, if you look at sort of the timeline, um, you know, they announced the four players, obviously two running backs being dismissed. Um, and then, you know, quickly he made work of going and visiting Sebo, offering him, setting up the official visit. Um, I know that sort of early on when I was speaking with him, he didn't know a whole lot about Notre Dame, but he really liked what he was hearing um, I think maybe it was uh, sort of understated how interested he really was in the Irish. Definitely was interested in Tennessee and the SEC factor there um, and a good relationship with Georgia tech, which is, uh, you know, less than an hour drive from his home. Um, but it's just a situation where the, the official visit, um, especially with the parents just really knocked it out of the park. Um, I don't think it's like a sort of a real easy flip. I think, you know, he still really likes Georgia Tech in that but I expect him to end up at Notre Dame. Um, I know that the sort of running back depth chart is interesting to him as well. Um, I also think he's a guy who could develop into a really good running back. I think that um, coaching is going to be really important here. Um, Needs to sort of shape his game a bit. Um, He's sort of unrefined, but you can see some, some nice pieces there, but yeah, I expect him to end up at Notre Dame.
1: Tom, it, I want to follow up on, on Flemister because you posted something on the Four Horsemen Lounge, our message board, uh, about sort of Barton Simmons, one of the national analysts at 24-7, taking another look at Flemister as it relates to his rankings. What what can you sort of clue people in about where Flemister is going to fit um, when all is said and done? Because right now, I think on 24-7, he's basically down there at uh, composite is number 83 overall among running backs, Uh but he made a, a pretty sizable jump in the 24-7 running back rankings.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think he fits in really well. I remember talking to Autry Denson. Um, I want to say if it was after signing day last year, um, I forget what it was, but we, I kind of asked him about what what he looks for, if he have an ideal running back. And and he really just felt, he just felt like he looks for the perfect fit in terms of, and I know it's kind of vague to say, but it's more of, he looks for a certain type of kid um, that he, he kind of that just steps right in and fits in with the entire group that's currently there. And obviously, he's taken some, some lumps lately with Neon McIntosh and CJ Holmes. But he looks for a certain guy um, that, that fits in perfectly And what he's looking for, what Notre Dame's about. He wants a guy that's going to come in, for example, fits in with Josh Adams, fits in with Dexter Williams. I know that he leans on those guys when he's talking to kids. He wants to see if he's going to fit. He thinks he's going to make you know make it at Notre Dame. So he does ask his current class to see how how a certain recruit's going to fit in. And and from what I'm told, Siegel checks off all the boxes. He's a he's a you know like I, I I've been writing this um, since he was offered that he's a perfect fit at Notre Dame. He's a great student in the classroom, hard worker on the field. Um, and when you talk to him, I, I get a similar vibe. It's kind of a laid back. Um, it kind of reminds me Josh Adams, Dexter Williams, um, all about their business. That they want to come in, put in the work, and just get better. Um, there's some flash there, but it's it's hard to really put it to words. I just think he's a perfect fit at what Notre Dame's looking for, more so than Georgia Tech, more so than Tennessee. And I think that this is all going to work out for him. Another guy that chose not to sign early because he was waiting for that big can't miss, can't turn down offer. And he initially got it from Tennessee, but I think that to take it a step further, I think he really found it with Fighting Irish.
1: Yeah, it's pretty interesting that he's gone from Georgia Southern commitment to Georgia Tech commitment and maybe a Notre Dame signee next week. That's that's quite a jump. Um, another guy, Tom, you're plugged in with this one. There's a guy who visited last weekend. Now a former Virginia commitment since our last podcast, cornerback DJ
0: Brown. And in terms of at least high school fit? I mean – let's be honest, when, when Notre Dame initially offered, um, I expected him in this class and, and things changed quickly because I knew that there was a numbers issue and they felt good, um, at least to be in the hunt down the stretch for Tyler Gordon and Julius Irvin. and Noel Boykin to- initially told him that he was coming to Gracie He told him he was coming. so told them he was coming. So it made it a little difficult numbers wise. And I know that some of the coaches, um, we we're a little on the fence about him initially, but the more they kind of went back into it, they realized this is this kid the perfect fit. Um, he's got a high floor. Is not this kid's not going to be a terrible player at Notre Dame? There's, just, in my opinion, no shot. I think that at, at worst he's just a solid uh, potential two-year, maybe one to two-year starter at the absolute minimum. And uh, I think that he's a safe pick. So when Mike Elko left, Clark Lee turned things up. Todd Light turned things up, and and made Brown a, a a priority. And they started pushing really hard. And you get this kid on the phone, and I know Kevin can attest, this is a perfect fit for Notre Dame. He's um, he cares a ton about academics. There's a reason that that Notre Dame was you know the dream office for this young man. So it it's all seems like it's going to work out for him. I know Cal and Northwestern, um, mostly Cal uh, is a big competition here. And that's legitimate. He really likes Cal. But in the end, when you finally get the offer you want, or like it comes a little later than you wanted, um, or you can actually commit and sign a little later than you wanted, um, you really it's really difficult for those guys to turn it down. So kudos to the staff for kicking the tires on this one and pushing really hard and not just making it seem like a you know, hey, we had a spot for you, come and be in the class. They pushed really hard. It made it feel like a like a five star type player. So kudos to them, and I think it's going to pay off with, again, like with um, a few other guys. I expect it in the landing on signing day. Yeah,
1: it's kind of yeah, interesting I, numbers position. I'd like cornerback. to
0: chime, I'd like
2: to I'd like to chime in about DJ a little bit. I was just thinking about this morning. I might write about it a bit uh, later. Um, just in, in specific about him uh, coming in a cornerback. You know, there's. You know, Notre Dame has added technically three cornerbacks, and there's sort of the question about whether Houston Griffith will end up at safety. Then you've got Bracey and and Wilkins, who seem like they, you know, they obviously need some time to sort of learn the cornerback position a little more. Well, I think Brown's a guy who comes in already knowing the position really well um, and sort of bolsters that. If if it goes the the way that, you know, it could with Houston Griffith and possibly moving into the back end or at nickel, this really does truly give you the numbers at cornerback that everyone could feel comfortable about. So I just think Brown would be a really great get. And, yeah, of course, this kid, like like Tom said, a great fit at Notre Dame off the field.
1: Yeah, it's a, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts about, you know, what if Wilkins moves to receiver? Well, then Brown at corner is becomes more of a necessity than a luxury in terms of numbers. So I think that, that there's definitely something to that. Kevin, I want to stick with you. A guy that is you've been high on for Notre Dame, and Notre Dame has been high on from the beginning of the process. opposed to you know, maybe the Eason, the, the Brown, um, Flemister, sort of late arriving prospects, Lawrence Keys. Uh, his, his recruitment has, has been fairly interesting lately. What do you still expect this to end with? With Notre Dame next week, um, considering sort of the late official visit that's that's coming up, I believe.
2: Yeah, I definitely do. And um, I love the way that Notre Dame has played this one. If you sort of look at, you know, I always look at sort of the timeline of events and, you know, he you know, took the official visit to Notre Dame with his mother, which I, I just went exceptionally well. Um, of course he had the t- um, official visit to Texas the following weekend. So um, they had an in-home visit with him, uh, Brian Kelly and Dell the day before he visited Texas. And then the day after he got back from Texas, Dell was down there again. Um, now, with Keyes, there's been some unfortunate events with um, a teammate of his uh, suddenly passing away late last week. Um, so that obviously has been a sensitive you know, issue at a sensitive time. Um, but still, Keyes um, going on his uh, official visit. Just arrived there this morning, I think actually about an hour ago at SMU, um, which, you know, of course, a lot of people are surprised he visited SMU. I don't think anyone's really choosing them uh, as, you know, his landing spot. Um, But I do, I just think that Notre Dame will land him in the end. I I don't think that he's, you know, given them any type of uh, nod or anything like that. I just think that Notre Dame, I'm sure we'll talk about it more later, but I think, you know, Notre Dame going to sort of stretch their scholarship limit a bit more than we thought. Um, And just, I think he, he will have a spot. I think things would have to go um, really, you know, wildly in Notre Dame's favor for there to be really any, Sort of concern about there not being space for him. I mean, we'll see what sort of happens there. But yeah, I, I expect Keys to end up at Notre Dame. Um, would be very surprised if it went any other way.
1: All right, so we got the four guys that we all think Notre Dame is favorite to land, and you guys can stop me if if I said Derek Easton, Sibo, Flemister, GJ Brown, um, and Lawrence Keys. We all think they're Notre Dame next week. There are three yeah. other guys on the board that are much more up in the air probably by no coincidence, are much higher profile prospects. Tom, let's keep it on the West Coast. Um, Solomon Tulipupu, what is your vibe on that a week ago? Because I, I think on this podcast last week, we both had some real positive vibes about where Notre Dame stands. I mean, if, if I had to put you on the spot today, where does he sign next Wednesday?
0: Well, it sounds like you're putting me in the spot. Yes. I I, (laughs) a very real hypothetical. I'm going to go with. (laughs) I'm going to go with uh, USC on that one. I uh, and we'll probably. I have a little bit more behind the scenes in that uh, behind the scenes vision that I do every year, but after signing day. But yeah, I uh, felt really good about Notre Dame. You know, take that as you want. Uh, Last week, and I wasn't the only one who felt that way. So. Things change in recruiting. It's a it's a, a wild time down the stretch, you know, where Dave funded. Uh, so I do think things changed and things got back in the USC favor. And barring a last-second change at heart, I know there's still dialogue between Notre Dame and, and Tulepupu. I just don't see this working out for, for the Fighting Irish. I mean, it's they have pushed every right button. And, and, and sometimes they just think, you know, a kid's not going to leave home and there's nothing you can really do about it. So kind of leave it at that Uh, right now, unless Solomon calls it Notre Dame and, and, and I believe, I'm not saying he's made a talent commitment to USC or anything. I just think that that's where it's going to, that's, that's where this is trending. Um, You know, barring a a change of heart, I don't see Notre Dame winning this battle.
1: And the other sort of West coast guy, Kevin, uh, Jared Patterson, there's been a lot of buzz about UCLA there lately. That seems to be, the more comfortable pick right now for him. How do you sort of see that ending up next week?
2: Right. So I put a crystal ball pick in, I believe it was either yesterday or the night before um, for UCLA. Now, just to sort of make it clear, uh, Jared Patterson himself or people around him haven't told me, Hey, he's leaning towards UCLA. But for me, it's like, um, you know, it's closer to home. I think there's a, you know, I sort of know that there's a lot of excitement to buzz around UCLA right now with Chip Kelly, um, and him taking the in-home visit, of course, um, with uh, the new their offensive line coach Fraley. And I spoke with someone sort of really in the know about offensive line coaches, offensive linemen, and recruiting um, just a few weeks ago about Fraley. And I know that he's a guy he's a tremendous recruiter, younger guy, just had first year coaching. Uh, Of course, a a solid NFL veteran, um, a guy who recruits are really, really taking to. um, And I just feel like all of that sort of adds up to UCLA winning this one. And and sort of that said, Patterson does really like Notre Dame. I I don't think it's an easy choice. But um, for me, I think he's going to end up uh, with the Bruins. Wouldn't be shocked if he ended up at Notre Dame. But I do think UCLA will be his choice.
1: Yeah, Fraley was a guy that, I mean, when we were talking about offensive line coach replacements for uh, Harry Heastan, Fraley would have been a, a reach in terms of his resume. But um, in terms of recruiter, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. He's got a lot a lot going for him in that aspect. All right, and then we've got the big one, Nicholas petit Frere. Tom, our message board has been beating down your door for updates on Brian Kelly's <laughs> in-home visit with him yesterday because um, we all know Nicholas petit Frere is – Just loves talking about recruiting and all the nuts and bolts of these visits, but um, (laughs) we're a week away from the big man's decision. I think on paper, this feels like one Notre Dame could really pull off next week. How do you sort of see this with six days to
0: go? Well, I think it's pretty cut and dry. Um, I think it's going to be, which is kind of weird to say, but I think it's going to be Notre Dame, Ohio State, or Florida, and um, I don't think it's going to be Alabama. It just doesn't fit what he, what him and his mom have been looking for from day one. Now, I could be wrong. I mean, I hate to, you know, say Alabama is not going to get a kid, but I just don't get that vibe. These guys, I mean, this is a family that's heavy into academics. Like, it's probably more important than football. And I know that's easy to say academics, Notre Dame. It's just, I just think that that's what's going to keep him from going to Alabama. And it's not a knock on them it's just we're talking two different spectrums here so now this is a this is a Sunday guy and he's going to play in the NFL barring injury anything of that nature so this is a big time talent um which would be a huge get but right now after what I've gathered from last night's in-home visit the final contact between Notre Dame in person with Petit Freer man I, I mean I hate to I don't want to get fault hope, but I still like my crystal ball for Notre Dame Um, and I, I'm not sure I would have been saying that probably two weeks ago, but I do believe that they have mom in the corner, which is absolutely huge here. And I think that the combination of Autry Denson, uh, chip long and and now Jeff Quinn getting involved and obviously Brian Kelly going in home. I just, man, I, 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 can't see him going anywhere else. Distance is not a concern. Um, you know, I, I, I'm fully, uh, uh, after talking to sources this morning, I truly believe that both he and his mom are 100% comfortable with Notre Dame. And, and I still think that's the pick. I don't think he's afraid to get away from home. Um, but again, I'm really not trying to give false hope, but I'm hoping to have a little bit more scoop so I can post the VIP insider, uh, a little later today up at IrishIllustrated.com. So look for that probably uh Thursday afternoon.
1: Hey, Kevin, you've talked to Petit for a handful of times. i talked to him down at Under Armour practices, um, I think personality-wise, and Tom would back this up, this guy feels like a great fit for Notre Dame. Not a good fit for Notre Dame, a great fit for Notre Dame. You, you sort of get the vibe that you know if if this. You look at the contenders left on the board and I've I've felt like this for a while now. If it was Notre Dame or Stanford, I'd be a lot more concerned about Notre Dame losing into Stanford than I would be of Florida, Alabama, or Ohio State.
2: Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's it does work in Notre Dame's favor that way, that sort of, of that pool of top schools, Notre Dame's the one sort of elite academic school. So it's sort of, you know, if it's is he gonna choose academics or is he gonna choose somewhere a little closer to home at a big SEC program? And I've sort of gone back and forth Florida, Notre Dame, Alabama, and I'm still going to keep going back and forth a bit with it. Um, but Nick Petit-Ferrer, when you speak with him, um, you're talking to like a, a 30-year-old man uh, who is very serious about his life, um, a very bright kid. Don't know if i really s- spoken to a teenager quite like him. I mean, this is my first year on the beat, um, m- you know, probably the most mature, well-spoken kid. Um, and that's to say quite a bit because I, I mean, I cover Notre Dame and I talk to a lot of mature, well-spoken kids. So, um, yeah, when I spoke with him about his academics, um, you know, I was asking about what he was interested in studying. He probably listed off about eight different majors. Like, this is a kid who's very, very interested in studying, gaining knowledge. He has big-time aspirations for his future. So, absolutely, one hundred percent a fit at Notre Dame and. If it were any less, I think it would just be, you know, okay, yeah, he's going to end up in the SEC, but he's that much of a fit that Notre Dame, they they just have to be taken seriously as a contender.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I had a source tell me, I think, about two days ago that Alabama was out for him. Um, didn't really get a great reason on why Alabama was out, but that is certainly a heavy weight off the board if that's true. I think you combine that with Florida sort of being – they're in a position of turnover with the new staff coming in. Florida State's the same way; they're not really involved. Miami's not really involved. Certainly, like it's it's set up for him to leave the state and leave the region if that's what he wants to do. So I'm, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you guys and, and go with Notre Dame for Nicholas petit Frere as sort of like the major major headliner in this class. It would certainly change the face of, of this hall for Notre Dame at large. Let's spin it forward a little bit to. The Junior Day from last weekend, K.J. Wallace, a four-star cornerback from Atlanta, commits to Notre Dame. A lot of defensive line talent, a lot of national talent uh, came in. Tom, I'll start with you. I guess the, the big couple takeaways from Notre Dame's Junior Day were were what for you?
0: Um, to put it pretty simply, I think they crushed it. Um, and I know I put a story up at irishillstated.com regarding that with some – vip insider thoughts for myself as well as what i could tell from the stories but really cut and dry i I think they did a great job Um, they got a ton of talent from all over the country on campus and i think they made a ton of headway with some of the best players in the country uh notably hudson henry the the nation's top 2019 tight end um also a teammate of luke jones notre dame offensive line commit in the 2018 class um Kenyatta Watson, a four-star defensive back. I mean, pushing all the right buttons so far. I mean, this is a this is a kid I was told about months ago while he was committed to Florida State that that don't be surprised if if Notre Dame lands this kid because he fits perfectly. And the last time this source told me that, it was about Derek Allen. So things have changed a little bit, um, regarding the coaching staff, but I think that the Rams in, in very good shape so far at that point. and, and I know Kevin Sinclair mentioned this on the site that that he and KJ Wallace are, are good friends as well. So that helps. Um, love what they're doing along the defensive line. That was probably the biggest takeaway, to be honest. It was um, I have a feeling Mike Elston is going to produce uh, one of the nation's best, if not the best 2019 defensive line class. Um, Hunter Spears, Nana Sapamenza, Um, Joseph Anderson. I mean, I could run off a list. Mozzie Smith. I just think that when you mix those guys with Jacob Lacey, a four-star defensive tackle commit, um, man, that's, that's big time along the defensive line. I think it'll get people to calm down a little bit about always complaining about the defensive line in Notre Dame. So all good takeaways, man. It was a very impressive weekend in South Bend. Kevin, before I
1: flip it over to you, Tom, I want to follow up on just how much room Notre Dame has for defensive line prospects next cycle, because it's a position where I believe as I'm sort of projecting about how the roster is going to shape out for 2018 and 2019, defensive line might be, at, they may have more defensive linemen than any other position. Um, how many, how many spots do you think that they want to devote to this in 2019?
0: Well, I was told that it wouldn't be a surprise if they landed that entire group that I mentioned when I'm talking about Lacey, mm-hmm. Spears, Mozzie, uh, Joseph Anderson, and Nana Menza, and then also adding another pass rusher. So it wouldn't be a surprise if like six defensive linemen came to Notre Dame next cycle if, in a perfect world for them, which is crazy to think about. But um, I just think that, the, that Notre Dame looks at this group as a, a truly special a group of difference makers that could really take Notre Dame's defense to the next level. Um, Obviously a strong defensive line improves the play of your linebackers and defensive backs. So I think that they don't really want to turn any guys away. Now there are a couple guys that are currently high in Notre Dame, that they would turn away if they landed the right guys. Uh, But, but right now, I mean, I honestly think it could be as many as six.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Well, to be curious to see how Clark Lee, uh, involves his six three two defensive formation. Um, <laughs> kevin, what you're got to know KJ Wallace a little bit. You felt really good about Notre Dame's position before junior day even started with him. Um he looked like a guy that just had all the marks on paper of ending up in Notre Dame's class. So I'm curious your feelings on Wallace coming out of the commitment and also just sort of the same question I asked Tom. Kind of your your bigger picture takeaways from the junior day event overall.
2: Right, yeah. So KJ Um, You know, when he left Notre Dame, he said, I'll give you a call when I get home uh, in Atlanta, got off his flight. And he called me and he said, um, you know, I sort of said, I think the first thing I said was, uh, you know, where do you think sort of Notre Dame stands after that? And he said, well, I just called Todd Light and gave him my commitment. So so it was kind of funny how it all sort of panned out. Um, You know, I, full honesty, I wasn't necessarily expecting to commit on the weekend, but he did. Um, and I also sort of heard um, that at, on the weekend, KJ Wallace and Kenyatta Watson were like doing some hard talking, you know, about committing to Notre Dame, the two of them. Um, I know that Kenyatta Watson has a few other schools he wants to see. I feel like, you know, from what everything I heard, Notre Dame is going to be tough to beat there. And I think, you know, Pete, you wrote earlier this week about Georgia and Notre Dame really trying to get their foot in the door there. Um, if they could add two really quality defensive backs um, from, the, from you know, the Atlanta area, from Georgia, that would be outstanding. Um, and, you know, I think that Derek Allen, um, you know, committing and going to Notre Dame, uh, you know, this summer um, certainly turned some heads down there with some quality guys down in Georgia. Aside from K.J. Wallace, uh, who I think is an outstanding gift for Notre Dame. Um, I think one of the biggest takeaways I had was probably my conversation with Joseph Anderson um, spoke with him on Sunday. You know, he said about that group of defensive linemen, I'm referring to Hunter Spears, Donos Safamenza, Mozzie Smith, and Jacob Lacey. Um, first of all, he said, you know, Notre Dame was his leader and it was uh, more firm him saying that than in the past where he sort of tiptoed around that idea. It was firm Notre Dame's my leader. I'm probably not going to commit until, mid-April to early summer, but really saying, you know, I would really love to play with this group of guys in the future. I could see us making big plays and winning games. And there's this um, sort of, I think Tom was sort of alluding to the same thing. There's just this sort of sense of that group. I think um, they're all sort of feeling that way. And what a group that would be. Um, Nano Safo Menza, of course, we've seen a lot of offers rolling in for him. You watch him on film, and you, you see that he's an elite pass rusher, but he also fits that drop role so nicely, um, being a sort of a former outside linebacker who's moved into a three or four point stance guy. Um, but yeah, really nice group there, and I think that Notre Dame, I think it's clear and obvious that Notre Dame made major headway with all of them. Um, I think Hunter Spears is a really, truly interesting prospect who um, put on a lot of size. Um, If you look at the photos of him from the weekend, that's a big fella who can move. So
1: um, really
2: great weekend for Notre Dame, no doubt.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see how the drop end position, uh, sort of that board develops over time, because it's not like they've got a ton of, strength and material to work with on the two interior positions and even the strong side defensive end spot. Um, so how do you balance that line out? But the Kenyatta Watson point is a great one because I do think that finding skill position talent from Georgia is critical for Notre Dame, just sort of hitting its marks in terms of athleticism in the secondary. Derek Allen, KJ Wallace, Kenyatta Watson, who's a four-star composite, a three-star in 24-7 sports uh, offers in from Florida State, Auburn. That would be um, – it's a good place for Notre Dame to be in Georgia, and I'm glad to see that Notre Dame is figuring out a way to get more involved down there than maybe they have in the past because it's uh, – there's just a lot of guys looking to leave because there's so many of them. They all can't go to Georgia, and Clemson can only take so many. So it, I think it's a good place for <laughs> Notre Dame to be. There's guys that um, I think just sort of fit the profile of what Notre Dame is about. Um and they can have, I think, more of a uh, return on their investment from Georgia prospects than maybe they have in Florida in the past. So, yeah, Junior Day, one commitment. They're in good position moving forward. I'm sure we'll be talking a ton about Junior Prospects coming up here once spring practice gets rolling in March. But um, signing day is the big event next. We'll be back next week to sort of recap. how Did we uh, nail our predictions, including the big one from the five-star offensive tackle from down in Florida We'll see. So until next week, I'm Pete Sampson. You've been listening to Irish Illustrated Insiders Recruiting Esther with Tom Loy and Kevin Sinclair. Thanks for listening.